Welcome to Objection to the Rule, your Sunday afternoon news hour on Radio Free Brooklyn. We are recording this episode on Thursday, March 17th, and it will begin airing on Sunday, March 20th, 2022. My name is Reese Robinson, and I'm on air today with my co-hosts, Emily Scott and Jasmine Smith. How's it going, ladies? Hello. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I know it's Women's History Month, but it's also a big, you know, male saint's day today in New York. (laughs) It's also Purim. Which is a Jewish holiday about a woman, actually, saving the day. So that oh, works nice. out well. I love that holiday. Yeah, me too. I had ham and dashen for the first time yeah. at a friend's house like years ago. but Yes, good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, other than that, spring is coming, ladies. I hope the weather's getting better where you are. Uh... It's like the rainy season here right now, which is like, it's like, after no rain for months, it's it's been raining a little bit every day, so it's a little uh, okay, it's a little tough. But that means I think it means spring's coming in. All right. Yeah, it's a very. It looks like Dublin here in the city, so I guess that's fitting for the holiday. <laughs> it's very mm-hmm. wet and gray. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's March. Yeah, that's true. That's true. March and April is pretty rainy in New York for the most part. All right. Awesome. Well, on the docket for today for local news, our story is about a gender pay gap rally at City Hall in New York. For national news, we'll be talking about the ending of the final challenge to the new abortion law in Texas. For world news, we'll be talking about the Russian reporter who burst onto live broadcast to denounce the war. And for good news, an initiative in India that employs women while reducing food waste. So as you guys can see, we are on our theme for Women's History Month. This is going to be a great show. Let's go ahead and kick it off. Go ahead, Jasmine. All right. Well, no pressure. (laughs) Um, So anyway, this is a story that was in AM New York. The title is That Ain't Right. City Council Members Rally to End Gender Pay Gap. Uh, It was written by Kevin Duggan, and it came out on the Ides of March on March 15th. City council members rallied on the steps of City Hall Tuesday, vowing to tackle New York's continuing gender pay gap, as women still earn less than men for the same job in the Big Apple. The council's women's caucus and advocates hailed recently enacted laws aimed at making salaries more transparent, but politicians vowed to do more now that the city legislative body is majority female for the first time. We have much more work to do, said Council Speaker Adrian Adams, who was the first Black woman to hold the office. Equity is one of the priorities for me as Speaker, and nowhere is this more of an issue than in the pay gap between, men, between women and men. The politicians were joined by union leaders and the advocacy, advocacy group Power, or like power, but it's P-O-W-H-E-R, outside the seat of city government on March 15th, which is Equal Pay Day, the symbolic date representing how far into the new year women have to work to earn the same amount as their male counterparts for the previous year. In New York State, women earn a little over 85 cents for every dollar a man earns, according to U.S. Census data. An August report by the council found that among city employees, men have a median salary that's $21,600 higher than women. While that disparity shrank to less than half a percentage for people holding the same civil service rank and coming from the same demographic background, women of color still make less, than adjust, still make less when adjusted for job titles. 
Black female employees and Hispanic women made 1.9% and 1.5% less than white men in the same position, the council study found. The loss of income? That ain't right, said Bronx City Council member Amanda Farias, who co-chairs the Women's Caucus. And the loss of income based on gender and racial discrimination is a tremendous setback, not only for women's individual economic disparity, for the, but for the overall recovery of the city. The city in January passed a bill which will require employees which will require employers in the five boroughs to show salary ranges with job postings, which politicians hope will help level the playing field. While the politicos didn't announce any new legislation or policies, Faria said that the many members of the caucus leading council committees will help get more bills passed to support equal wages. We are going through the legislative process right now to kind of reclaim any of those sponsorless bills from previous sessions. So in the next couple of weeks, we'll be finding out which ones actually get reintroduced. The Bronx politician told AM New York Metro. Thanks for that story, Jasmine. Um, pay gap stuff is, is always so interesting to me because it's, it's one of those things that's like, it's both like a pretty conceptual idea, you know, like like the it's it's one of those things that I think is hard to like grasp what it means without like like there's it seems like it's like how do you measure that right like how do people figure yeah that there's out? so many different ways to measure it yeah. like some yeah. people go by like differences in hourly pay mm-hmm. or differences in weekly pay mm-hmm. or like I think in this one in particular, they were looking at people who are in the same job title and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. why would they have a difference? And right. like that, that wouldn't make any sense. But when right. you take into account stuff like if men on average work more hours. Right. But then you have women doing like unpaid work in the home and working mm-hmm. part time like mm-hmm. that's still like a mm-hmm. gap. But yeah, it, I agree with you. It is funny to depending on how you measure it it can be telling you many different things yeah it's unfortunate that we're still here you know um with the gap being so large i mean realistically i didn't expect it to be closed so quickly but i'm saying it's still such a large gap as what you were saying in the article it's also one of those things where um like in our society there's this whole culture like the polite society thing is like not talking about money. Right. And not talking yeah. about like right. your income and your salary. But that means that, you know, you're, you don't know if you and your coworkers are making like, like vastly different amounts. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like quote unquote polite to talk about it, which benefits the people like decision makers. Right. Like if you don't know right. if you're way underpaid or your email counterpart is way overpaid. Right. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, we need to stop that, right? Is that is that weird? I don't know. I even think if it's weird because even amongst your friends, like your yeah. peers, it's still odd to speak about how much money you make, and I, yeah. I don't see why at this at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also so many. It's 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 such a multifaceted issue as well because like culturally, it's so much more common for a man to be like just applying for a job, like knowing Mm -hmm. that they only have half of the quality. And there's also like a a racial element, class element of being Mm -hmm. like, I could do this and they'll just put themselves out there. Whereas 
a woman might be less likely to do that or like mm-hmm. a negotiating a salary like it might be it's more socially acceptable or like promoted for men mm-hmm. to do that kind of self-promotion and like push whereas women might not do it as often and then you know it depends on the person on the other side they might not be as inclined to say yes to you because you're a woman yes right yes. versus There's a man like stigma, you know right? Right. Because it's not always on you to just change your behavior. Like we have a culture that is enabling that. Yeah. And that's that lean in thing. And then the the backlash to that, you know, like that was like a huge thing about like how many years ago, eight years ago, where it's like, oh, lean in. Like the reason you're you as a woman aren't making more money is because you don't ask for it. But then it's like but actually, like if your employer is a man who holds like a lot of deep seated um like distrust or dislike of women, like internal, like hatred, he's not going to respond well to that either. You know, right. like it's not, it's not all your fault. Yeah. There's so many forces at play that are so much larger than you as an individual. Right. Yeah, And also even just within the job itself, I feel like sometimes when you look at job descriptions, um, you know, the approach of a woman is like, well, if there's like two or three things on that on that list that you may not be too savvy. Yeah. At, all of a right. Sudden, yeah. Yep. By yourself. When the right. truth of the matter is that skill set probably came up somewhere in your life um, mm-hmm. just because you took care of your family or, you know, things that you've done in your job that may not be classified as that. But eventually you have done something you know, along that. It's almost like they're worded to um, deter you from doing it. Right. Yeah. 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 I've definitely had that experience where I've like looked at a job application and I've like seen, yeah, I'm only qualified for about half the things and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to bother. And I remember along the way learning that like, that's not how everyone approaches that right. and just being yeah. like blown away. So like, why yeah. would you even bother trying if you're, you know, it's it is it yeah. is a very different way of because I, I have the same problem where I had the mm-hmm. same problem where I would and you know it's it it is empowering to talk to people and to mm-hmm. talk to a wide variety of people to see how they approach stuff because they it came after that like having it drilled in my head they're like if you have there's something the the job applicate or the job description is often written in such a way to weed people out yeah so you can't don't psych yourself out if because you know that if you know you can learn it mm-hmm. don't worry about it like just mm-hmm. go ahead and try and I'm grateful that you know I learned that lesson mm-hmm. and the, uh, the other thing I was gonna say too is like speaking like what you were saying Emily about how you measure it can be so different it's like mm-hmm certain professions are like women overwhelmingly work as like home health aides or like Mm -hmm. in helping professions in customer service like and those are things where like you don't have a lot of protections Mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of good benefits so it's like if you're counting it as like average pay based on gender like that's also gonna show that like just on average we tend to earn a lot less yeah. And like not yeah. be paid for work that we do do that it's just assumed you're going to take care of because you're a woman. And I think we see that a lot with the pandemic, mm-hmm. that oh, yeah. there's a lot of unpaid work that's very much work that falls on women disproportionately that will take you out of the workforce like entirely sometimes or will mm-hmm. keep you from being able to advance or whatever. I think, yeah, I think we've all kind of experienced that too, where you do work a job and you, you know, this has happened to me. I've worked places and gained massive credentials while, you know, the duration of being there and it's, it goes unrecognized. And then it's, and you mm-hmm. sit there and be like, why, why did I go get that advanced degree or the certificate, you know, so that I could be stronger in my position and it's not being acknowledged. Um, you know, and it's almost like, well, we didn't tell you to do that. 
you know, which is the opposite of promoting people from within who actually have the tenacity to go the extra mile. Um, So, yeah, this is this is very interesting, you know, concept because there's so many layers to why this is still in effect. Absolutely. Great story. Yeah. I mean, let's let's hope it has a good ending. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you got the first track, right? I do. So this song, it comes from the first female rapper to release a full solo album. Also the first to uh, be nominated for a Grammy solo. Do y'all know who it is? Is it Roxanne? (laughs) Roxanne Shante. Okay, so Queens, we got a Queens guest. What do you think, Emily? Um, oh God. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Is it, I feel like it's someone... Like, it's so obvious you wouldn't expect it, but just guess. I don't know. (laughs) We had Queen Latifah on recently, so I don't know, like Missy Elliott or something. (laughs) Okay, so Virginia. So it is. I am the light. Brooklyn's own MC Light. And this song is from her first solo album that came out in 1988, Light as a Rock. This song is 10% Dis. We'll be right back. Steal a beat when you know they can't win. You stole the beat. Are you having fun now? Me and the odds gonna show you how it's done. You are what I label as a nerve plucker. You're plucking my nerves, you MC sucker. I thought I ought to tell you. Better get warned that I am like a stock and my word is born. Like James, killing everybody in sight. The cold street sick. The name is light. After this jam, I really don't give a damn. Cause I'm a run and tell your whole damn plan that you're a... The beat is funky, my rhyme is spunky There is no delaying in the rhyme I'm saying 
playing. Now the other floors are what my DJ is playing. So sit back, Jack, and listen to this. It's 10% diss. Cause I'm just about ready to fly this fish to get your lips. But I'll wait for the day or night that you approach and I'ma serve and burn you like a piece of toast. Pop you in a microwave and watch your head bubble. Your skin just crumble. A battle's no trouble. Get my homegirls Tony and Kiki to get stupid. This thing called hip hop, light is ruling it. I hate to laugh in your face, but you're funny. Your beat, your rhyme, and your timing all crummy on the topic of rapping. I should write a pamphlet better yet a booklet. Your rap is weak, homegirl. And it's definitely crooked. Others write to rhymes while I write my own. I don't create a character when I'm on the microphone. I am myself, no games to be played. No script to be written, no scene to be made. I am the director, as far as you are concerned. You don't believe me? Then you'll have to learn. This ain't as hard as empty like you get. Matter of fact, you ain't seen nothing yet. So never let me step into a party hardy. Talk to some people and then hear from somebody. You wanna battle, cause you know where I am. You don't wanna come in the 90s and see me at a jam when a mic is handy. Ten feet away, I stretch my arm like elastic, hand like a magnet. Set ashore, you know I don't play when it comes down to it. The nitty gritty for a sucker like you, I feel a whole lot of pity. Beat fighter, dope style taker. Tell you to your face, you ain't nothing but a faker. Beat fighter, dope style taker. Tell you to your face, you ain't nothing but a can follow our social media accounts. We have an Instagram account and we also have a Facebook account. Our Facebook page can be found at facebook.com forward slash objection radio free BK. No spaces, no punctuation. Our Instagram account is at objection to the rule again no spaces no punctuation marks welcome back to objection to the rule on radio free brooklyn and next we have emily with our national news segment all righty so this story comes from a march 11th new york times article by kate zernike and adam liptak titled texas supreme court shuts down final challenge to abortion law um so this is a really intense, really important story. Um, The article explains, quote, the Texas Supreme Court on Friday effectively shut down a federal challenge to the state's novel and controversial ban on abortion after about six weeks of pregnancy, closing off what abortion rights advocates said was their last narrow path to blocking the, the new law. The decision was the latest in a line of blows to the constitutional right to abortion that has prevailed for five decades. The Texas law, which several states are attempting to copy, puts enforcement in the hands of civilians. It offers the prospect of $10,000 rewards for successful lawsuits against anyone from an Uber driver to a doctor who, quote, aids or abets a woman who gets an abortion once fetal cardiac activity can be detected. 
It is the most restrictive abortion law in the nation and and flies in the face of the Supreme Court's landmark 1973 decision in Roe v. Wade, which prohibits states from banning the procedure before a fetus is viable outside the womb, which is currently about 23 weeks of pregnancy. Um, And sidebar, so the current law is at six weeks in comparison to 23 weeks. Um, Quote, by empowering everyday people and expressly banning enforcement by state officials, the law known as SB8 was designed to escape judicial review in federal court. Advocates of abortion rights had asked the Supreme Court to block it even before it took effect last September. The justices repeatedly declined and said that because state officials were not responsible for enforcing the law, it could not be challenged in federal court based on the constitutional protections established by Roe. But the Supreme Court left open the smallest of windows, saying in December that opponents of the law could file suit against Texas medical licensing officials who might discipline abortion providers who violate the law. On Friday, the justices of the Texas Supreme Court, all Republicans, said that those officials did not, in fact, have any power to enforce the law, either directly or indirectly, and so could not be sued. The justices said the law had effectively effectively tied their hands. They agreed that the state's licensing officials had the authority to discipline providers for violating other abortion restrictions, Uh, but we conclude that the Heartbeat Act expressly provides otherwise, the court said, using the title of SB 8. Quote, with this ruling, the uh, the sliver of this case that that we were left with is gone, said Nancy Northup, the president of the Center for Reproductive Rights. Texas's Attorney General Ken Paxton declared it a major victory. This measure, which has saved thousands of unborn babies, remains fully in effect, and the pro-abortion plaintiff's lawsuit against the state is essentially finished, he wrote on Twitter. Abortion rights supporters and legal scholars said the Texas law would encourage other states not only to pass similar bans on abortion, but to attempt to nullify other precedents they oppose. The law allows no exceptions for abortion, even in the case of women who have been raped or are victims of incest. It has thrown Texas abortion providers into crisis, and similar legislation is pending around the country. The Supreme Court is considering a Mississippi law that bans abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. In an oral arguments in December, the six conservative justices on the court appeared inclined to uphold that law. Several justices indicated that they would vote to overturn Roe v. Wade outright, as Mississippi has asked. And lawyers for abortion rights groups argue that even if the court only upholds the Mississippi law, it would effectively overturn Roe because of its central holding on viability. Already, state legislatures are advancing bans on abortion as if Roe were overturned. Some have passed outright bans on abortion that are to take effect immediately if the court rules to overturn Roe, even in part. And others have prepared to ban the procedure at 6, 10, 12, and 15 weeks. Legal experts said the court's decision on Friday would further embolden states to enact aggressive measures to restrict abortions. Quote, the innovations of the Texas law, its civilian enforcement and bounty system, could be adapted to shield other kinds of laws, including ones making it a crime to travel to another state for an abortion or to obtain abortion drugs in the mail, said Mary Ziegler, a law professor and historian at Florida State University. Tennessee lawmakers have proposed a bill allowing civilian enforcement of a ban on the delivery of abortion pills. Quote, Amy Hagstrom Miller, the chief executive of Whole Women's Health, the clinic that sued to stop SB8, has said the courts have failed us. 
This ban does not change the need for abortion in Texas. It just blocks people from accessing the care they need, she said. The situation is becoming increasingly dire, she said, as the surrounding states pass their own restrictions. Data released in February shows that the Texas law cut the number of abortions in the state by 60%. Planned Parenthood clinics in the neighborhood in the neighboring states have reported an 800% increase in women seeking abortions. But that avenue, too, is likely to close soon. Many women have traveled to Oklahoma for the procedure, but this week the state Senate passed its own six-week ban model modeled on the Texas law. The Idaho Senate passed a similar law last week. Lawmakers in other states have proposed similar bans, but have held off in hopes that the Supreme Court decision expected in June will allow them to ban abortion entirely. So that's fucked up, as if there wasn't enough in the world to worry about. Oh, man. Yep. This is um really disheartening. I, I, I swear, every week there's a story that makes me feel like we're just going back in time. Yeah. Um, but just, it's it's so like it's really coming for us y'all like really um and this is the type of shit that that has been happening while we've been you know thinking and watching other things in the world happen you know they just you took Mm -hmm. the moment to just seize this really important issue and it's 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 scary is what it is yeah it's like a lot of bad stuff coming out of texas like not that it's the only place but we just mm-hmm. talked about them passing similar laws about just getting gender affirming care for trans children make trying to make it more difficult if you leave the area to get help that you're going to be considered a criminal and now this is also happening at the same time like these are very organized attacks that start from like the grassroots and it's it's really mm-hmm. it's scary it's very very scary it's just it's just so frustrating because they're like these types of of laws don't stop abortions from happening they just stop them from happening safely yeah. and they stop women who can't afford to travel right. from getting them right like if you're rich enough you'll you'll get a safe abortion right you'll fly to new york um or anywhere somewhere else where it's legal um and it just it just keeps the people who the most marginalized people like further um in trouble um and the fact that there's no like there's no concession in this for i mean there's so many layers of the law like the current law is is like a it's like a civil law like it it's not like you'll be prosecuted but you'll be be sued for ten thousand dollars which is essentially like for many many people um enough to put you in debt for the rest of your life yeah and it's it's crazy that it's like turning people against each other too. Yeah. Like it's what kind up. of what kind of world do we live in where it's like, oh, well, I'm about to, you know, because there's people out here that just be straight scheming. Like that's just the way that they live their life. You know, they they try to get over, and this is the type of thing that will put people against each other, probably mm-hmm. disrupts families. Mm-hmm. You know, who don't respect people's decisions. And imagine, imagine what's going on with, you know, the reproductive control and everything is a huge mm-hmm. part of abuse, like intimate mm-hmm. partner abuse, trying to control. Yep. That's an age old way of trying to control a woman or a girl is to get them pregnant and have them in a situation where they, they can't have. do anything yep. about it. And, and so that's yeah. going to be weaponized by those types of people as well. And there's no concessions for rape or incest here it's just insidious yeah we already have laws on the books in too many states where you know if that you know if 
the child was conceived as a result of an assault like the assaulter has rights as a parent and you are forced to comply with this you know it's very you know for all so many people that are behind these types of things have such like bs notions about freedom or mm-hmm. it's like look in the mirror and let the freedoms you're trying to take away from other people mm-hmm. like you you are the police state you yeah. are the overreach mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's yeah. really really tough there's also been like an uptick of of americans going to other countries just to get medical procedures because they mm-hmm. simply cannot afford them um and you know that's not always the best thing either um because if you do need any follow-up or anything like that you know obviously that could cause a problem if you can't go back or you know you have to deal with another health provider if you can um you know to come up with a solution so it's just you know it's it's layered and it's it's so scary that it's like right there behind us I mean June is gonna be here and before we know it this is this, I mean it's gonna happen I really feel like that mm-hmm. it's gonna happen and there's like no hope you know well, I guess the best thing you can do is try to, you know, get involved locally. Like, I know that that's something I'm trying to work on because that's what the opposition is doing. It's like they are very in tune with what's happening on the ground in their communities and they mm-hmm. are consistent. Yeah. And I really think like on the other side, you need to people need to have more of an understanding that none of the rights that we have now are set in stone. Mm hmm. And the people that want to take them away from you never rest. Exactly. So you have to have that same mindset because this is really life and death. You know, like any every child deserves to be born to people that are mm-hmm. happy to have them, want to have them, are excited to have them. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's pro life. You know, mm-hmm. not trying to force people to be basically an incubator. You don't know what's mm-hmm. going on. Once exactly. the child is here, you're not going to support them once they're here. And then you hear these mm-hmm. horror stories about kids in foster care, kids not being treated well. Like, that's mm-hmm. not. Or unhealthy pregnancies because women have preconditions and things like that. Yeah. Do you guys know that theory? I think it's like a, I don't know. I think it's from Freakonomics or something that the steep decline in serial killers in the early 2000s coincides to adults coming of age post Roe v. Wade. And that um, it's like it's it's like a theory that like people no longer being forced to have children that they didn't want meant that there wasn't so much breeding grounds for conditions that would create serial killers. I have heard of that. I don't I think it's been debunked. I've definitely heard of that. And I just I do think that it's safe to say, like, when you make that choice for yourself, you're making the best choice. You know better than anyone if that's the best choice for you. Mm-hmm. It can be any reason. It's a lot of people that already have kids that make that decision because it's too much. Like, yep. you know, yep. you know, yep. and it's it's it, people die every day from mm-hmm. childbirth, have all types of complications. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. nobody else's right to tell you that you are forced to go through with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, childbirth is basically an opportunity for a woman to die in general, like just what your body goes through. Um, and it's it's a beautiful thing that we are capable 
of doing it. But, you know, there are so many reasons, as you said, Jasmine. So. Oh, my God. And I can't. Oh, I wish I could remember his name, but it was some guy. And I don't know if it was a journalist or if it was someone pretending to be one, but he was going around to like there were these people rallying, saying, like, choose adoption, choose adopt, like to harass people getting abort. And so he's like, OK, I see. How many children have you adopted? And he put the mic in their face like, oh, uh none mm-hmm. um I have he's like oh okay okay and what about you and like he went down the line everybody's stuttering it's like when's mm-hmm. the last time you helped a child in need or yeah. you try you tried to support someone make you know because part of reproductive health and rights that people don't remember sometimes is it's also about the right to have kids when you want them yeah and not be excluded from that because you're poor or you might have other issues but it's a community effort that like we all have to be supportive to help bring up children. And it's so individualized. There's so much shame, ignorance, lack of proper education to make empowered decisions. It's a recipe for disaster, you know, especially when women are young, you know, um, working with the youth, all type of circumstances happen to teenagers in this world. And it's like, it's really tough these days where you don't even feel comfortable like going to aid a child or speaking to a child or asking a child to move or anything like that because people just take it to the next level. And it's just like, I'm, I'm part of this community too, you know, and that's really tough. Yeah, it's really like it takes a village, but these people, it's, it's just like demonic because as soon as the child is out of the womb, they wipe, they wash their hands of it. Mm-hmm. They want nothing to do with helping to support the young family that now exists, mm-hmm. but they want to try to control you because it's all about control, mm-hmm. not respecting you as a full human being. All that life stuff is garbage because mm-hmm. they're the same people pushing for the death penalty and all mm-hmm. other types of stuff that kills people every day. But you care mm-hmm. so much about life. Give me a break. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, that was a very necessary story. Uh, Tough topic, but thank you so much, Emily, for bringing that. Mm -hmm. You want to take us to our next music break? Yes, I do. So this is a song from The Breeders, which is one of my favorite alt-rock bands. Um, Very 90s um, and very female-driven, very female-led. And this is a song called Huffer, which kind of has like a angsty sort of vibe that felt but like also like not to it you know it's also enjoyable to listen to in my opinion um yeah huffer by the breeders
Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And so our world news story comes from a Washington Post article from March 14th. Uh, the title of the article is Employees Burst, Employee Bursts onto Live Russian State TV to Denounce the War. They are lying to you here. And it's by Mary Lashina and Hannah Knowles. A woman burst onto a set of Russian state TV's flagship evening news program Monday, chanting stop the war and denouncing government propaganda. A striking moment of public protest as the Kremlin cracks down on any criticism of its invasion in Ukraine. OVD Info, a human rights group that tracks protest activity and detentions in Russia, identified the woman as Marina Osevnika, an editor and producer with the broadcaster with the broadcaster and said she had been detained. Before storming onto the set of Channel One, Osevnika, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm trying, <laughs> recorded a video message in which she said, what is going on in Ukraine is a crime. Unfortunately, I have been working at the channel, Channel One during recent years, working on Kremlin propaganda, she said. And now I am very ashamed. I am ashamed and I've allowed the lies to be set on TV screens. I am ashamed that I let Russian people be zombified. She ended with a call to action alluding to high price, alluding to the high price of dissent in Russia. It is only in our power to stop the madness. Take to the streets. Do not be afraid. They can't jail all of us. The protest was hailed around the world as a dangerous act of resistance as Russia deepens its repression of government critics and falsely portrays, portrays its invasion as a limited operation meant to, quote, denazify a neighborhood. The Kremlin has blocked sources of independent information on the fighting in Ukraine and threatened 15 years in prison for anyone who spreads, quote, fake news, contradicting Russia's official narrative on the war. Thousands of people protesting the violence have been arrested in Russia, according to OVD Info, which says the invasion and its fallout have irrevocably changed Russian society. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky personally thanked the woman who entered the Channel One studio and said in one of his regular video updates to Telegram, I'm grateful to those Russians who do, do not stop the truth. I am grateful to those Russians who do not stop trying to convey the truth. A recording of Monday evening's interrupted live broadcast was unavailable on Channel One's website, which says it was taken down at the request of the copyright holder. All previous episodes from last week were readily available. Channel One said it is looking into the incident with an outsider appearing in the shot during a live broadcast, according to a state-run news agency, TASS. Citing an unnamed individual in law enforcement, TASS also said the woman is detained and could be held liable under a Russian's ban of discrediting actions of its armed force. The unnamed person said that she is an editor at Channel One, according to TASS, and also her Instagram account identifies her as a Channel One employee. 
The protester had jumped into the frame as a longtime Channel One host, Ekaterina Adreva, read an item about Russian efforts to mitigate the effects of sanctions over its actions in Ukraine. Standing behind Adreva, the protester held up a poster with a mix of English and Russian spelling a forbidden message, no war, stop the war, don't believe the propaganda. In her video message recorded earlier, she said that her father is Ukrainian and her mother is Russian. They have never been enemies. She said, pointing to the necklace comprising of the colors of the Russian and the Ukrainian flags. We were silent in 2014 when it all started, she said, referring to a year when Russia annexed Crimea from Ukraine. She said the silence continued when the Kremlin critic and opposition activist Alexei Nalvinya was poisoned. We just silently watched this anti-human regime, she said, and now the entire world turned their back against us. Thousands of people soon flooded her Facebook page with comments, many of them expressing thanks and calling her courageous. The Facebook page identifies her as a Moscow resident with experience in t TV news broadcasts. Um, a story, uh, another article that had came up like just a day after said that she had been found guilty of organizing an illegal protest and was fined 30,000 rubles, which is about $280, although it is not clear whether further charges were, will be pursued against her. She was detained overnight. So that is the story. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's definitely courageous, but a lot of people in the international community are fearful now of her safety. It's it was I remember I saw that the other day and I was I was blown away um, and it gave me a lot of hope that, you know, as we've talked about on the show, like sometimes some forces feel unbeatable, but that doesn't mean that they are. And it, it gave me it gives me a lot of um, I, I don't know what the word is. It's I think it's something close to hope that there's so much like outright opposition happening in a country that um is has a long history of uh oppressing dissenting views um that people are are it's they they know that they need to speak out and they're doing it anyway it's really it's really inspiring yeah what what inspired me most from the story is that you know she talked about how she's worked to help produce this propaganda mm -hmm. and she's just right. really overwhelmed at the of the fact that she just can't do it anymore and she just took a stance you know right. um it, it's one thing to denounce something that other people are doing it's another thing to do it for yourself you know what i mean and i right. think that was really courageous and important to highlight because you know she had uh, obviously a position of power mm -hmm. um and she she used that power in yeah. a useful way and the she not only had she had the position of power, like she was able to get on the TV with that message, and then also has the knowledge, like because she did it. She was she was exactly. given the false information to spread, like she knows firsthand what was happening. Yeah. Um, it's very rare that you see people publicly admitting to having done something wrong in the past, and you know being transparent and take taking accountability for that, and you know, as you may have been walking in the wrong direction your whole life, but you can decide today that you're going to step in the other direction. And, you know, I think that's really powerful that that's what this person did. And like you said, I mean, it happens here, you know, people get disappeared, 
you know happens in other countries around the world mm-hmm. like it, it takes so much courage to stand up knowing that that's what you're facing so i hope that she comes out of this safely and like everyone does you know anyone who's you know standing up for what they believe in and has to worry about prison being beaten um you just hope for the best and that more people join them i just wanted to salute her and thank her for her bravery yeah, definitely. And hopefully, you know, this um, this reporter with so many eyes on her and in some ways, you know, that's, you know, we our modern media culture is really toxic, but because there's so many eyes on her on social media um, and, you know, 24 hour news cycles, like maybe that like we can hope it offers some sort of protection. But again, like part of what she talked about was that no one said anything when an international diplomat got poisoned. Um in another country so you know there's only so much protection it can offer at the end of the day but absolutely um all right so let's hop into our good news story emily what you got all righty so for the good news this week i um got the story from a february 21st article by andy corbley on the goodnewsnetwork.org and it's titled using the sun to fight food waste and stretch yields Um, It's a short article, so I'm just going to read the whole thing. Uh, Quote, farming households in rural India are earning extra money for their food that goes unsold by putting it through solar food dehydrators. In a country where intense heat can spoil food within days of harvesting, it can also keep it safe for months. Tens of thousands of tons of food in India goes to waste every year, often because it doesn't look appealing enough or because there's no access to refrigeration to keep it fresh. Normally, this would simply uh, be simply thrown away, comporting uh, a loss for those who can't, often can't afford it. But now women in Maha, Maharashtra in the west of India are being hired to operate specially designed solar conduction dryers. It says dyers, but I think it means dryers um, that suck every detectable trace of moisture out of the food with just within just four hours. Excess produce like tomatoes, garlic, onions, ginger, coconut, chilies, and corn are then turned into easy-to-use products and sold to 1.1100-plus, uh, I think, food and beverage industry cu- uh, customers of the Solar Dryers Creator, S4S, or Science for Society. S4S's solar conduction dryers also preserve 20 to 50% more nutrients than other methods, while reducing emissions from refrigeration and food waste. They claim they've prevented 350,000 metric tons of CO2 from entering the atmosphere and 40,000 tons of food waste through the use of these dryers, which have employed 800 women across the state, many of whom, as the BBC reports, would would have a difficult time finding regular work. It's also creating a real raise in the average wages in these rural households, as much as 110% from previous methods. But unlike government support, it hasn't relied on raising tax money. Uh, yeah, so that is a cool little story I found, which um, I was really happy to be able to share because I think it combines. I mean, it's uh, women focused, which, uh, you know, Women's History Month and all that. But it's also got a lot of other themes that we talk about on the show, including, um, you know, uh CO2 emissions, which is really, you know, climate change issues and food waste uh, and food cycle issues as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for that good story. It's always good when things are turning in the right direction. 
Okay, so that's it for this week's Objection to the Rule. Thank you so much for listening. You can catch all of our older episodes on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, on the Radio Free Brooklyn app, or on Spotify. Listen up for more independent Brooklyn media. We're going to play you out with our final track of the day by the incomparable Queen of Soul. This is Aretha Franklin with You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 She's also an Aries legend. Just putting that out there. Aries season. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was going to do respect, but I think we put that on another episode. So bye. Bye. Happy Women's History Month. Bye. Looking out on the morning rain, I used to feel so uninspired and when i knew i had to face another day lord it made me feel so If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming Radio Free Brooklyn events. You can sign up at radiofreebrooklyn.org forward slash newsletter. Thank you.
Got my mind and my 